It's Bible study time. Welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. We're going to take a moment and pray, and then we're going to get going and start the Bible study. Yay. Let's pray. Father, thanks for, uh, I thank you for joy tonight, and I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit, his presence, his infilling, his anointing. And I ask you, God, that tonight we would receive of you. We would receive of your teaching. We would receive of your anointing. We would receive of your revelation. We would receive of your understanding. I ask for your Holy Spirit that he'd have his way in each one of us and, and that we would be energized tonight. Uh, we would be open to his work in us, open to what he wants to reveal and what he wants to challenge and change in us tonight too. So God, we just ask that we'd be open and ready to receive all that you want to say and all that you want to do. Thanks for being here. Uh, we ask God, anoint, ask God, reveal, and be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, or if you need to borrow a Bible, they're located on the tables, and you can feel free to help yourself, use one of those, but uh, they are there for your convenience. But we're open to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. While you're turning there, just a quick reminder that we do have a feature available as part of our Bible study. And it's mainly for people that aren't here uh, at our physical meeting that listen to this on podcast, that you can participate with us. It's a feature that is uh, called SpeakPipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com. And if you go to slash... There's a slash, Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. You'll get to a page with a button on it, and you can toggle that button and leave what would appear to be a voicemail. Uh, that could be a question, a comment. It could be something good God did, good, good God's saying or doing or whatever, or you might just want to say hi. Uh, but you can just leave us a message, and we'll try to play that at our next meeting after we receive it. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're not on the current meeting or not, or, or how, whatever meeting you're on. Uh, you can always just leave us a message. And if you have a question about whatever podcast you just listened to, that's perfectly fine. We'll figure out what you're talking about, and we will uh, try to answer that best we can. So leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, if somebody would like to read that. All right, thanks for reading that. And I would encourage you that as I continue to talk uh, tonight to, to read that chapter, at least the beginning of the chapter of chapter 4 through verse 9, at least go down through verse 9, and get a feel for what he's talking about there and get a feel for what's happening. Uh, for a lot of people, uh, they, they find this passage to be fairly confusing. And, and one of my theories about that is that parts of the Bible that seem really confusing, they're normally confusing because we have bad ideas. Like another, in other words, we have a bad preconceived notion. If we were just reading something for the first time, it would probably make a lot more sense to us if we didn't already have an idea about what it says, or what it's supposed to say, or what we hope it says, or think it says. And it would probably make a little more sense to us. So uh, I want you to think in those terms too. And maybe God is going to speak something to you, or God's going to show you something that's a little bit different 
than maybe what's in your head right now, right this second. And maybe it'll make a little more sense to you. So in, in this verse and in this passage, if you're reading the chapter right now, good, you're doing exactly what I asked you to do. Um, you'll see that there's a twofold emphasis here. There's the idea of believing, and then there's the idea of entering into rest. And, and both of those ideas are really important throughout this passage. Both those ideas are key to what is happening, what it, really the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, and what he's trying to communicate to the church. In other words, these are the important things. So believing and also entering into rest. Now, I'm going to uh, do a couple things here. One, I'm going to talk in terms of faith and uh, instead of belief. And, and there'll be, I'll explain that a little bit later why. But I'm going to talk in terms of faith. And then with the idea of entering into God's rest, I, I want to say this, is that it's not past. It's not gone. His rest isn't something in the past. But it's also not something necessarily in the future. All right, only. Uh, a lot of times when we think about God's rest, we think about, oh, that was something that already happened. And either we missed it or we weren't a part of it. And then the, depending on who's teaching or who's preaching. Then the second part of God's rest that we kind of get confused about is that we only see it as a future thing. That his rest isn't for now and today so either his rest is behind us or his rest is necessarily in front of us but his rest is not now and and that's been a theme throughout the ages that when people talk about God's rest they see it one of two ways either behind us or way in front of us but they rarely people will rarely see it as right now now how do I know that well because I went through a bunch of commentaries and I looked up some ideas and some people's thoughts over time. And we're talking over centuries of writers, over centuries of people that were comment, commenting on the Bible. And, and throughout most of the, the comments, throughout the scriptures, and throughout time and the centuries of the church, what you see is God's rest is either spoken of then, or that happened already, or it's spoken of out there somewhere, but not now. And I think that's really interesting that people wouldn't really take hold of the idea of rest for us today. They wouldn't take hold of what it means to enter into his rest and why that would be important for us as Christians to enter into his rest or why he would have that or provide that for us. Now think about the Old Testament. How did God provide for his rest? Why, how did God provide for our rest in the Old Testament with the people that were there? Okay, the Sabbath. This is after the law, of course, but even before the law, didn't God... Didn't in creation, didn't he kind of establish the Sabbath? Sure. It wasn't formalized into the law, but everybody understood that there was a Sabbath because of the way he created the heavens and the earth. And so he put that into the creation. In other words, six days he worked, on the seventh day he rested. And that was a Sabbath to him. And so he gave us an example. He gave us, he put it right into the creation that this is how not only do we live, but it's how he's created the whole earth to live. That the whole earth is going to live in, in times of work, but in times of rest. The whole work is going to live that needing rest and in having those times of rest. That that's just the way it is. It's the way we've been created. Everything in God's creation needs moments and times of rest. That's a fact. That if you, you, those of you that have ever worked a field, 
or worked on a farm, you know you can't just keep putting uh, crops into a field for forever. You can't. If you keep working a field forever and you keep putting crops in that field forever, eventually the nutrients are in that soil are going to be stripped out of that soil. And so that field every now and then has to lay fallow. It has to lay and not be used every now and then. And then it can regain its nutrients. It can regain everything the soil is supposed to have. Then you can replant into that field. And it's got plenty of nutrients and it's healthy for the plants to grow in it again. But it needs its rest. So if dirt needs rest, and really, just think about this for a second. If dirt needs rest, how much do we need rest? Certainly. Certainly. And if God is willing, and if God is for sure to model that, God didn't need rest. All right? He doesn't need rest. He may be the only being in the universe that doesn't need rest. He probably is. He's the only one I know of. And so if he is the only being in the universe that doesn't need rest, he still thought it important enough to build it into his creation and model it for us. That's how important it was. And so when the law was formalized, things were formalized through the law, it became a point of, okay, you have to rest. You got to rest. And the, what I try to take from that is this, is that from the point that it became, you got to do it, people were trying to figure out ways not to. All right? Once it became something you had to do, well, what's the fun in that? All right, well, I don't want to do that then. I wanna, I'll figure out a way around it. And so there are ultimate, like, like really big-time schemes on how to get out of resting. I can, yeah, plenty of time to sleep when I die. I used to say that, actually. But, but the, the, the people weasel out of it and stuff. So, so I remember I, I grew up in a time and a place that had blue laws. What were blue laws? That's not a dirty thing, Kim. Calm down. Blue laws meant that on Sundays, all the stores were closed. They were all closed. So... So if you had to go get something, you had to get it on Saturday. But on Sunday, you couldn't buy anything. You couldn't get gas in your car. You couldn't, there was nothing you could buy. Well, after a while, and I can remember this going on when I was a kid, people started complaining. They said, well, I need to get my prescription on Sundays. So they thought about that. They mulled it over. Okay, well, we'll open up drugstores on Sundays so that you can get your prescription. All right. So what do you think drugstores started doing? They started making money, but what else did they start selling? Everything, right. Right, because you used to go to the pharmacy to get your prescriptions. But on Sundays, because they could be the only store open, they had a little bit of everything. So you go to the pharmacy and you could get like, I don't know, what do you need, milk? You get some milk, you get some bread, because they had it at the pharmacy. You could get, you could get toys, huh? You can get a book. They start selling books. You can get just about anything you want at the pharmacy. And then, and then, smartening up a little bit, the big stores that sell all that stuff, guess what they put in? A pharmacy. A pharmacy. <laughs> now, you following what I'm saying? All right, so they figured out a way around it, right? That's what people do. 
to the point where I don't know of many places that still have blue laws. They, they, they're mainly everything, they just gave up on that. And, and so it made it so you could just, uh, you know, get what you want on Sunday. So whatever, they just gave up. That's all right, you know. So, so when it becomes a law and it becomes a rule, we lose sight of what it's really for. You know, you think about in the times of Jesus, him and his disciples were out in the field and they were gathering grain so they could eat because they were hungry. And they got judged for that. Like, hey, you can't come out here and do this. That's against the rules. That's against the rules of the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, no, no, you've forgotten something. You got it backwards. We're out here, we're hungry, so we're getting something to eat because we, we need to eat. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I can remember, I remember, you know, people arguing about whether or not they should cook on Sundays. I can remember arguing, you know, people arguing, like, you know, can we go out and play touch football on Sunday. You know, stuff like that. I mean, just crazy things to us because we don't we didn't grow up in that. I did. You didn't. Maybe. Or maybe you did. But that was all just kind of crazy stuff that we'd argue about. Yeah. You know, we even had people in our church who wouldn't go out to eat because they didn't want to make someone else wasn't even a Christian and believe like they did, but they wouldn't make them work on the Sabbath. Correct. Correct. And in in the and people were really I mean that was a conviction too. I will not go out and make them work. Yeah, absolutely. When I first moved here, Jean and Ronald and Morgan, they wouldn't go out anywhere on Sunday. No? Anybody work on Sunday. Mm. We played tackle football every Sunday after we were here, but when we had went to our grandparents' house, we had to play touch football. Okay, because it wasn't allowed? Not allowed. Not allowed. So they, they gave a little bit, and we gave a little bit. So that was the compromise? Touch. Two-hand touch or one-hand touch? Two-hand touch. Yeah, I've I've gotten hurt more times playing two-hand touch than I ever got hurt uh, playing tackle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, yeah, that 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 two-hand shove. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Get a good get a good brush burn right alongside of your face on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> Unless you get a good front shiv on, you like a like a front shiver on somebody. Yeah, that's nice too. Meanwhile, uh, somebody look up Psalm ninety-five eight. Let's talk a little bit about the Sabbath and and maybe God's point or God's plan or God's purpose here. Psalm 95.8. Mirabah. It means bitter. Yeah. That's all right. That's Psalm 95.8. How about Psalm 95.11? Okay, so what you have there is you have the cause and you have the effect. All right, the cause of, of God becoming angry was that they uh, lacked faith. They had, a, they had a sincere lack of faith there. And so because they lacked faith, God looked at him. and he said, well, you, you're not going to enter my rest. Now, those two are connected. 
And, and that's a good connection to make in your mind. A good connection to make in your mind is that a lack of faith, and we're going to broadly define faith in a little while, but a lack of faith leads you and keeps you out of God's rest. That's a good connection to have in your brain. A lack of faith leads you to and keeps you out of God's rest. Right? And I mean away from when I say leads you into that or out of that. So God, if you think about his work, his work, according to these verses, was finished at creation. And so he rested. That's the end of that whole story. Did you know that? The whole creation story? The whole creation story went six days, and then God rested. Because he was done. Done. But do trees still bud and, and grow leaves in the spring? And do the leaves fall off in the fall? And somehow they make it through the winter and they continue to grow and then they bud again in the spring? And do fruit trees still produce fruit? And, and do nuts still fall off of nut trees? And do those little helicopter things still fall off of maple trees? And all those things still happen, right? So creation continues to go. Creation continues to move along, but God's resting. He rested from that. And so what that tells us is this, is that rest is not the cessation of work necessarily. Right, and what do I mean by that? But I mean it is rest is the accomplishment of purpose. That's when we enter into rest is when we are in the midst of the accomplishment of purpose and the satisfaction of results. In other words, like for example, if God got done with all of creation, he looked at it and he said, this is good. Well, he was done. And so he rested. But his works, his word, all that was created continues to go on, doesn't it? It continues to move and it continues to grow and it continues to produce fruit after itself. Animals that were created then continue to produce after themselves. Men and women continue to produce after themselves. But all of that took place in whatever that first six days was. Whatever you want to believe about that, you believe it. But it took place in that time. He saw that it was good and he rested. But all that work continues, even in his rest. Do you see how, can you kind of grab hold of that for a second? Because the purpose, the, the, the purpose is being accomplished. Yeah, the satisfaction of the results is still there, still good. The fruit is still growing and the, the animals are still producing after themselves. That creation is still happening. I mean, the rain continues to, to, to form and, and the clouds continue to form in the sky and, and the plants continue to be watered and the land is still the land and the sea is still the sea. You follow what I'm saying? The birds are still in the air. It's still being done. But he rested. And what that teaches us is that, we, that there can be a rest while the work continues. There can be a rest. And the idea behind that, and if you think about it, Aaron touched on this on Sunday, is the idea of finding your purpose, entering into that, and finding that place of rest with God. Does it mean you don't work anymore? No. 
No, but you're finding purpose and you're living in purpose. And you're, you're moving through purpose in your life. There's a satisfaction with what you're seeing and the things that are going on around you. Does that mean they can never improve? Sure they can. But there's still a satisfaction as I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And there's a real satisfaction to that. There really is. But for a lot of us, we never find that place because it requires faith to be there. It requires faith to find that. It requires faith to live in that. It requires faith to, to find purpose and, and to actually exist in that purpose. And for some of us, that, that's so hard because we go for something that's more comfortable or we go for something that's easier or we go for something that's safer. But safety isn't the part that's guaranteed, isn't the part that really brings rest. Somebody told us that one time, but they were lying to us. It's not the safety that brings the rest. It's that place of purpose and it's that place where faith is possible that brings the rest. That's the living in that, finding our, our peace and our rest in that. Look at what Jesus said. I mean, go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. He says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, right? I'll give you rest. But then what does he tell them? Take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? Yeah, what, what do oxen do with the yoke on? They work. It's work. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, see, even in the midst of the work that Jesus calls us into, the purpose that Jesus calls us into, the place of faith that Jesus calls us into, it doesn't mean there's no work. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You see, there's entering into your purpose. There's entering into his plan for your life and, and the satisfaction of what that is. I don't know of any greater satisfaction than living in your purpose. None. I, I just, I don't know what it is, if there is. Because it's not just doing nothing. People that do nothing all day aren't happy. You know that, right? I mean, they're forced into what? Watching Maury? How many tests, how many pregnancy results can you possibly watch? What are you going to watch, Drew Carey on the, on, on the Price is Right? I mean, what, what, what are you doing? Doing nothing is not the answer to happiness, not the answer to peace, not the answer to joy. It's not the answer to rest in our life. That's not it. It's doing what we're made to do. It's doing what we're called to do. It's finding that thing. Our special snowflake purpose in, in Jesus' life. That, that, that's where rest is. <laughs> you know I don't mean that, but you, know, you understand what I'm saying, though. You're finding that purpose. When we trust, now this is going to be hard for you. Just calm down. Everybody calm down just for a second. Just stay calm. Give me a second, all right? When we trust, we submit. All right? Just calm down. Calm down. Now, when I do the foundational teachings, I do a whole section about this. 
I do a whole section about men and women and purpose and living within our purposes. Believe it or not, my purpose as a man is different than your purpose as a woman in some ways. That's okay. I mean, we can talk about how we have a lot of purpose in common. Because, I mean, Jesus said there's neither male nor female nor Jew nor Greek or all these other things. He said all of those things. And so we can talk about a lot of the purpose that we have together as, as being in common. But there are certain things that make us different in the purpose that God has made us for. And whenever I've taught on this, and I, I'm sorry, guys, this is a fact. Whenever I've taught on this, and I've taught men about their purpose and women about their purpose, women are a lot happier about it than men. Because men get really, really uncomfortable when you start talking about the purpose that God has created women for. The women don't get upset about it. The men do. Why is that? Why is it that a society can affect me as a man to the point I can't even accept what God has said? How can I get upset for somebody else when they're not upset because it's what God said? I can't. And I can't allow the society around me to affect me in such a way that it's dictating what the truth is and not what God has said what the truth is. I can't. I can't. And so when it comes right down to it, when we trust, we submit. And submission is the mother of peace in our life. We don't want to hear that, but it's true. And so what do I mean by that? I'm going to take it even further. There's, there's a satisfaction. There's uh, desires that are met. And, and some of the desires we have in our life are satisfied through that and finding our place in that. But trust is a big word, isn't it? It's a big word. And, and what I find is that when we don't trust, who's got to take care of it? Who's got to take care of everything if you don't trust? Who's got to do it? You do. Right. You do. I got to take care of that. I got to make that happen. I got to make, I got to, I got to change that. Or I got to get that done. Or I got to go after that. Or I got to do this. I got to do that. And it's never ending. Never, ever ending. Never. And when you, you finally get to that point, it's like, I want that. I, I want to be in charge of my own life. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be the one. And I want to make all the calls. And I'm going to make sure that blah, blah, blah. You happy? Mostly? No. No. That's stress. That's stress by its very nature. That we take on so much that we weren't even meant to take on. I don't want to be the rat. I just don't want to be the rat. I know, I know what I'm called to, and I know what my purpose is as a man, as a Christian, as a human being. I get it. Am I going to do that all by myself? No. No, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. I need Jesus helping me to do that. I need people around me to help me to do that. I need grace to help me to do that. I'm going to fail sometimes, and I'm going to need people to be there to help me when I fail. i got to trust that I have a God that loves me even if I fail, and he's on my side, and he's helping me up too. 
I got to have all those things in place. But once I realize that and the trust is built there, the submission brings peace. That I'm going to submit not to my will, but to yours. I'm going to submit not to what I want to do, but God, to what you want me to do. And as a man, that's hard. I'm supposed to be the master of my own universe. I'm not. Women are even more, you're, it's even more confusing for women. You know, you think about even, even, you know, in this day and age, the modern workforce. We're not in the 1960s. But you think about women in the modern workforce, that if they come off strong as, as women, they're bitches. You can't, you can't come off strong. <laughs> You're just a bitch if you do. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to tiptoe around and make every statement you make as a question? That's what you're expected to do. But you know what? That, that, that's not right either. That's confusion. That is confusion. And then we have, as Christians, we have certain beliefs about roles in the home. We have certain beliefs about how it is that God created things. We have certain beliefs about how Eve was created, how Adam was created, how Eve was taken from Adam, and all these other things. And we have all these beliefs about it. But if trust isn't there, how hard is that? Trust is a big word. But confusion isn't going to get you where you want to go. It's not. In whatever form that's taking in our lives, it's not going to get us where we want to go. Trying to do everything is not going to get us where we want to go. Think about this in just regular relationships. I mean, I mean, just in, in like normal relationships. Like, like people. Like when you trust the person that you work for, it makes a huge difference. And when you don't. Or on the other side of that, if you're a supervisor and you trust the people that are working for you, that makes a huge difference than when you don't. I mean, you think about that. If you say to somebody, hey, can you get this done? I need it done by the end of the day. They're like, yeah, I can get it done. And you trust them? Then you can, you can set that aside and go about something else. That is a huge advantage over watching over them all day to make sure they're not out for ice cream for half the day or something. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and that control and trying to control everything, it's, it's, it's literally, it's craziness. And I, I don't know how to make it any better than that. It just is. It makes a huge difference to have people you trust around you. Now, apply that to God and how much our lives could be better if we just really trusted him. I mean, seriously, if we just really took a hard look and seeing every time he's faithful, every time he's come through, every time he's shown his mercy, every time we've had his grace all over us, every time we've known his love in our life, every single time he's looked out for us, and we kept that in the forefront of our mind, and we realized that he is somebody that we can trust, and actually, actually, really, actually trust him, and live it that way, and live it out. What a difference that can make in our life, because that is the mother of peace in our life. Is to say, yeah, and it, it, it is. It, it will, it will, it will birth peace in us to do that. The two indispensable elements 
of entering God's rest. You ready? I'm going to give you the two indispensable elements. And then I'm going to equate them to a word we've already used a lot today. Confidence and obedience. Confidence by its nature is a trust. And obedience by its nature is faith. Confidence and obedience. If we're going to enter into God's rest, that's what we need. It's a matter of faith for us to enter into his rest. And, I, and I'm going to, like I said I was going to do, I'm going to draw a little bit of a distinction between faith and belief. And it's only because of the way people use the words. It's not what they literally mean. It's just how we use them. But I want you to think about belief and the way that we use it as an acceptance of a proposition as true. That's belief. In other words... God's, uh, I'm saying the sky is blue. And then you're going to say, the sky is blue. Yep, I'm going to accept that as a proposition. So I believe the sky is blue. So that's your belief. Faith is a little bit something different in the way that I really want us to think about it. Belief's important. You could say, I believe in Jesus. You can say, I believe Jesus died for my sins. You can say, I believe Jesus loves me. I believe that Jesus rose again. I believe that, that Jesus is Son of God. I believe, you can tell me what you believe, okay? Those are all good beliefs. I don't, I'm not saying anything bad about your beliefs. Those are all good beliefs. Those are your beliefs. But for that to become faith in us and to really, for that to mean something in our life, really faith-wise, we're going to live in that faith. It's got to affect something. It's got to mean something. Our, our life somehow needs to reflect something more than I believe these facts. Because the facts are the facts. But that in and of itself is not very impressive. What is impressive, meaning what is going to actually leave an imprint on our life, is our actual faith. That's what's going to matter. And, and so... We, we see it, we trust, and it's in that faith that that's what brings rest. And, and by rest, and I want to define rest real quick too, I'm not talking about a superficial calm. You know, most of us are fairly um, content with a superficial calm. Have you know, do you know that? You, you've pretty much got to the point, we've been conditioned to the point that we have a few moments of calm and, and we're just, that's good enough. Really? Like in moments, and in small moments of calm or small moments of peace, we've come to the place where we get that little bit of rest, and so we're satisfied with that. Because that, we don't know anything bigger or better. And so we've become satisfied with the morsels instead of the dinner, the steak dinner that is waiting for us if we could just enter into it. I'm going to take a morsel. I'm going to have a snack. You know, a bag, it's, the old, it's the old argument. You got the fun-sized bag of chips, or you got the steak? I want the Delmonico, Dave. I want the Delmonico. Jerky's good, but I want the Delmonico. I can live. I can live in, you know, and, and oh, that's good. I got a little peace right now. Yes. 
That's not my ultimate goal, though. I'm not going to be satisfied with that. I want to enter into his rest. I want to live in that. I want to live in a place where my burdens are cast to him. I mean, continually cast to him. And I want you to think about this. Remember I was talking about how most people see his rest as something in the past or something in the future? You ever go to a graveyard and look at tombstones? What? And on such and such a date, somebody entered into what? Their rest or their eternal rest, right? I want to enter into my eternal rest now. Now. Yes, or in, in announcements in the paper or wherever. Because we got a mentality. It's either already done or it's coming in the future when you're dead. That's the mentality. That's what we've been programmed with all our lives. It happened, it's going to happen when you're dead. Well, what if it's now? What if I can enter into that rest now? What if, I mean, you read Hebrews and you read what he said there. There is a rest for God's people. We don't need to add on when they're dead. It doesn't say that. It says there is a rest for God's people. All right. I want that. I want that. I don't want the gravestone rest. I'm sure it'll be nice then, and I'm sure I'll be resting. All right? And it's great. But I want rest now. I am not going to live in, in, the, in, in whatever this is that's not rest. I'm not going to live in the stress. I'm not going to choose to live in, in, in all the stuff that the world and all this graciousness offers to me right now. Worrying about this, concerned about that, all caught up in the other thing. I'm not going to live like that. I have a choice. I have a choice that involves trust. I have a choice that involves confidence and obedience and faith. That's my choice. And I want to take that choice. Obedience and faith, two sides of the same coin. Come and follow me, Jesus said to his disciples. They left everything and they followed him. Why? Is that faith or obedience? It's both. You can say what you want. It's two sides of the same coin. Confidence, trust, two sides of the same coin. But I need those. I want to enter into something bigger and better. And I'm not going to do it by rejecting what God is offering. I'm not going to do it by just doing my own thing. I'm not going to do it by, by not believing God at what he says or not trusting him. And in all the ways that he's shown me he can be trusted. Ignoring my life in order to just do what I want to do. Ignoring the whole, the whole life that God has given me just because I just want to do what I want to do. There is no rest there. None. There's snippets and there's moments, but not this. Not this. It's right now. We believe. In other words, we have faith. It's reflected in our life. We obey. We trust. We have confidence in God. And then we can enter. See, rest is a product of that faith and confidence. But it's how it's produced. And we are joining God where he is. I'll give you a little better word than submission. Because you don't like that word. 
I can tell. You don't like it. Let's use the word, but I wanted you to think about it for a little while. I wanted to kind of roll around in your head for a little while. You can use the word reliance if you'd like. Go ahead. Okay? If that makes you feel better, then use the word reliance. I will rely on him. Right? It's not exactly the same thing, but maybe it's an easier word for you to swallow right now. But reliance delivers you from anxiety. It doesn't, however, deliver you from responsibility. But it does deliver you from anxiety. But remember, rest isn't the absence of work. It's not. Rest isn't the absence of responsibility. Think about all the people that are trying to escape responsibility by what? Drugs? Ultimately? Are they going to be happy? You tell me. Anybody that's ever been an addict in here? I don't care if it's alcohol, drugs, or whatever. You're trying to escape responsibility, trying to escape life, trying to escape this, escape that. Ultimately, is that rest? Is that just more Mori Povich? Yeah. It's just more Mori. More of that Drew Carey. Yeah, you get a few minutes, a few seconds. Sometimes, depending on what your, what your thing is, your addiction is. Maybe a few seconds, maybe a few minutes, maybe a few hours. It all comes back again. Unless it's something real, see? It's not just an escape. Because real rest doesn't involve escape. Real reliance doesn't involve escape. Real rest, there's still work. But the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And there's purpose and it feels great and it's awesome. Reliance doesn't deliver you from responsibility, but how would you like to be delivered from anxiety? I'll take that. You can have responsibility without anxiety. You can. It's possible to, have, to, to really live in your responsibility without living in anxiety. How? Well, because you rely. Because you trust. Because you have faith. You have confidence. You obey. You find your purpose and you live in it. It's good. It's really good. And as I said before, we, we, we experience a fraction of this in our relationships. You think about it as a child, if you grew up in a decent household, I'm not saying everybody did, just if you did, and you, you trusted your parents, you probably didn't live with a lot of anxiety growing up. Children that generally have a trust in their parents, generally have a reliance on their parents. They're not worried about where their next meal is coming from. They're not worried about the bills getting paid. They're not worried about whether or not the taxes are being paid on the house or they're going to have anywhere to live. You know, they're just living their lives relying on their parents and, and trusting in their parents. They generally live outside of anxiety. That's how we're supposed to live as children growing up in our society, but I know some people didn't. A lot of people don't anymore. But that's, in general, uh, one example of a fraction of what it could look like to trust God, to rely on Him. And, and for some, uh, some 
people that enter into relationships, they're husbands and wives, they experience some of that. That they know that they can rely on the other person and they know they can trust the other person and they know that it's, it's good. And they don't live in anxiety within that relationship. Trust is rest for us. Faith is rest for us. And so I, I can only encourage you that we need to throw that trust God's way. He likely has done enough things in your life for you to trust him. Likely. He's likely looked out for you and, and helped you enough times that you could trust him. I mean, likely he's done more than any human being that you've ever trusted has done for you. He has. And so likely there's a good foundation for you to draw from in order to really begin to live in that trust and begin to live in that faith and begin to live in that confidence and begin to live in that obedience in your life. There really is probably a pretty decent foundation for that already in you, in your experiential base. The real question is for you to call that up, to think about it, and to let that begin to fill you up with trust and faith and confidence and obedience. Because I, I think that's the place. That's the place. That's the rest. And that's what God has for us. Our whole world is living in anxiety. They're trying to control too much. They start. Huh? Right. But if they weren't if they weren't living outside of God's purpose and plan, they wouldn't need to numb it. The numbing, the need to numb it comes from trying to control it. And so you reach a point you realize you can't control it, then you numb it. Or ignore it. Or try to ignore it. But it's always there. I'm talking about a real permanent solution here. Not something that just comes and goes or something that could be uh, this way this today or that way tomorrow. It's, it's This is really who God is, and he doesn't change. And our minds need to come into line with that, and we need to find where God is. And maybe hang out there. So tonight, you may be sitting there, well, I don't know what my purpose is. Do you want to know? That's my first question. If you do want to know, God will reveal it to you. Well, he's not telling me anything. Do you want to know? If you want to know, God will reveal it to you. Yeah, but I've asked him before and he didn't say anything. Do you want to know? If you want to know, he'll reveal it to you. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying now. Okay, okay. Because that's what I'm saying. All right, let's take a few minutes to pray. I don't really have even much more to say. I, mean, I could, I got some more verses, but you guys are doing pretty good. But let's take a few moments and pray. And I, I want to encourage you to really put yourself in a position where you can think about the God we serve. Think about our Father. Think about Jesus in your life. And I want you to think about times in your life where he's looked out for you. Maybe times where he's saved your life. Times where he's healed you. Times where he's given you guidance. Times where 
he kept you out of a situation maybe that would have been harmful to you. Times where he's just shown you so much love and you, you just were like basking in that love. Times where he's given you a word in season that you needed to hear. He's encouraged you. Times when he's made you laugh. Times when you've been down and you knew the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I just want you to think about some of those times. Because he is trustworthy. Of all the people in your life, he is trustworthy. Ultimately trustworthy. Thank you, Lord. So God, I pray for us tonight that you'd even bring to mind some things. That as we're responding to you, that you'd even bring some to mind some things of times when you were there for us and, and miraculous things you did and practical things you did and in times that you reached in and you, you touched us in our heart or in our mind or you healed our spirits. Times when we laughed because of something you did or something you said. History that we've shared with you. Doors that you've opened that no man can shut. Doors that you shut that no man can open. Times that, that you came through when we were kind of testing things out. And we said, God, give us a sign. And you did. That you're faithful to us. So God, I pray that you begin to bring to mind more and more stuff. More and more times. More and more things, God, where, where you've just been close to us and faithful. And that you're true. So God, yeah, we just hear you. We're listening to you right now. We're going to open our hearts and open our minds to you right now and say, God, fill us with your goodness. Fill us with your faithfulness. God, all those things that have been throughout our life, fill us, God. Even things in the last month or the last week where you've just been so faithful and you've just done so many things. God, fill us with those things. Fill our minds with that stuff. Fill our hearts with that stuff, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, God, I, I just ask that we direct our trust your way. I pray we direct our confidence your way. I pray we direct some faith your way. That's real life faith, like living kind of faith. Some obedience your way. God, and I ask that you would reveal that your plan and your purpose for our lives. If we don't already know it, I pray you'd reveal that. God, if we do know it, I pray you would infuse us with courage to step into it. In Jesus' name. Yeah, not, not living in excuses. But really just kind of step in. Just really step into it. God, whether that's a purpose as your child or a purpose as a human being or a purpose as a part of the kingdom of God or our purpose as, as part of the body of Christ or our purpose in Jesus or our purpose as a man or a woman or whatever it is, our purpose, that we would enter into it and find that rest there is there. Yeah. Yeah, trust is rest. Faith is rest. Obedience is rest. Confidence is rest. We'd enter into those things. 
For those that are full of anxiety tonight, I pray that you calm their hearts and you turn them toward you. You got it, God. You've got it. Big things and small things, you got them all. I pray as a church we could really enter into your rest. As a people we could enter into your rest. As individuals we could enter into your rest. That people would walk in this place and see a bunch of people in your rest. And know right away something is weird in here. That we're living in, in the rest that you've created. It's your purpose from the beginning. It's your purpose that's it's woven right into creation. We just want to enter in, God. We want to enter in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just let the Holy Spirit just take hold of you. Right down in your gut. Right down in your bowels. Right where you get the the butterflies and the nervousness, right where stress manifests a lot of times, just let the Holy Spirit get down in there. Let Him bring peace and rest to you. Peace and rest. Peace and rest. Thank you, Lord. We're going to live in that rest, God. And we thank you for it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 amen.